Hi, everyone. This is Joe Waters, and I wanted to welcome you to Cause Talk Radio. And, of course, I'm on the line with my co-host, Megan Strand. Hey, Joe. Hey, Megan. How you doing? I'm excellent. I'm excited for today's show. I know. I'm really excited. But, you know, I'm also really scared. I know you are. I know, because, it, you know, we have the lawyers on today. I know. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, you know, I already have the kids, to, you know, watching up and down the neighborhood for the police guys. <laughs> you know, as, as soon as people hear this, this broadcast, you know, because I'm sure I've been breaking all these rules. That's why we have the lawyers on today, and we have uh, Crystalline uh, Lawson uh, uh, from Venable Lawyers and uh, Jonathan Pompin, who's also with Venable, and I want to welcome you both to the show. Thank you very Hi, much. Thank you for Glad having us. Here. Oh, it's my pleasure and stuff like that. And I hope, gosh, I hope to have some good news for me today, Megan. You, know, so. <laughs> you need some good but, news. Yeah. And, you know, and, you know, guys, I, I think the best way to kind of begin this is why don't you tell us a little bit about Venable and what areas you specialize in that can be used uh, by our cause marketing listeners? Sure. sure. Well, we work at Venable, which is a national law firm. We have offices in D.C., where Jonathan and I are headquartered, um, as well as Los Angeles, New York, and other areas. Um, and we are a full-service law firm, but Jonathan and I both work in the nonprofit and trade associations uh, organizations practice, um, and we also cross over into the advertising and marketing practice. So we counsel over 600 nonprofits and trade associations and many for-profit companies on issues such as commercial co-ventures and cause-related marketing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. And Joe, I think what would be important too to emphasize is these days we're actually working with just as many for-profit companies as we are with non-profit organizations in the cause yeah, marketing space. Very popular now, um, not only uh, though for a non-profit perspective, which traditionally had been where the focus uh, for legal counsel had been over the years, um, but also uh, more and more uh, on the for-profit side too, where you have uh, marketing to Departments or inside counsel at large corporations reaching out for assistance on these issues. Mm. Yeah. And, and, you know, that this is where, you know, I'm like fascinated this issue. I mean, every year cause marketing forum has something um, on the legal side of cause marketing. And I always sit in and I always come out kind of trembling. And, you know, <laughs> one of the things that might be useful for our listeners, you two, is really understanding how do you folks define a commercial co-venture? Sure. A commercial co-venture or a cause-related marketing campaign are defined by, by state statutes. So mm-hmm. each of the states will have a different, um, usually it's under the charitable solicitation statute. And it's just one part of the charitable solicitation space that's regulated. The others mm-hmm. are the charities, of course, um, and then mm-hmm. the professional fundraisers. So the states that um, have special definitions for either cause-related marketing or what's more commonly referred to in the legal space as commercial co-ventures, there's about 20 of those states, and they usually have a definition somewhere along the lines of an arrangement between a charity and a commercial entity, and a commercial entity is is a company that is not normally engaged in the sale or the um, collection of donations, so they, they usually sell or have some sort of other trade or business, and they run a special campaign under which the commercial entity advertises that in the sale or marketing campaign that the, either the purchase or the use of the goods or services, some specific product, will benefit a charity or a charitable cause. And I think the last part is important because we often get questions about, well, what if it's not a specific 501c3 
charity? Does that mean that I'm outside of these regulations? And it's, it's actually broader than that. If you have any sort of um, appeal to a charitable cause, then you're a commercial co-venture usually in those states. Hmm. Interesting. Oh, interesting. Yeah, that is. Well, it and... should have been, it, you know, instead of Cause Marketing Forum, it should have been Commercial Co-Venture Forum. <laughs> if there were more attorneys, if there were more attorneys yeah. present yeah. there. I don't say break. Yeah. You know, you lawyers just have a really way with words, you know. So. <laughs> well, Joe, I think what's, what's important to recognize there, though, is, is that it's, it's not the lawyers that are driving the terminology yeah. or the definitions or the coverage of uh, the legal requirements, but very much... Uh, uh, the states, uh, the state legislatures over the years have uh, enacted these statutes um, as a form of consumer protection, uh, oftentimes as an adjunct uh, to their charities regulation. Um, but also, though, we're starting to see more and more interest um, from not just folks uh, who oftentimes may have, uh, you know, responsibility within their governmental entity, usually the attorney general's office for charities, um, but also uh, the uh, general uh, attorneys who are responsible for um, advertising and marketing law uh, enforcement within a state, uh, oftentimes we'll start to see now getting involved um, because in many cases, while there may in, in, in some states not be a statute that regulates specifically the activity um, as Crystalline described it, uh, they'll of course be regulating uh, generally uh, advertising and marketing under uh, unfair and deceptive legal principles. And those uh, in increasingly are becoming the lowest common denominator uh, and certainly are uh, an area where even if there's not a statute that specifically has this type of language or mm -hmm. has one of these definitions, uh, would, would be a factor in any, any cause campaign. Mm -hmm. So I've, I have a question for both of you. Typically, do clients come to you as they're starting out these these campaigns and and say, hey, we want to make sure all of our I's are dotted and T's are crossed, or are they coming to you in the 11th hour because they're panicked because something has happened or they've just l recently learned about some of these statutes that they should be following that they're not? We, we really see it both ways. Obviously, we prefer when it's at the beginning of the campaign and somebody has attended a, a forum or or heard a, a presentation and understands that these laws are out there and wants to really design a campaign that complies with them and, and gives themselves enough time to complete the registration. But just as often we have um, somebody, usually an in-house department, that's going through the ad copy and, and checking it off and making sure that it meets you know the normal advertising requirements. And somebody in the department says, wait a minute, we're partnering with a charity here. I've heard something about this. I think we may have additional duties. Um, and then we receive a call where the conversation usually is along the lines of, you know, can you assure me that, that this is all good and we're fine and, and we have to be like, actually, there's some things we need to think about. You know, we have to look at the, the states where you're advertising, mm -hmm. see what their definitions are, and um, there will usually be some registration um, and reporting requirements um, and also contractual elements that we need to look at. So mm. we, we really hate to be the people to, to hold up a campaign. We want to make sure that things are going at the speed that the marketing departments demand. Um, but we also want to make sure that you're not trying to go back to the states after the campaign has already begun or is running or right. yeah. somebody in the attorney general's office has seen it and then explain yourself. So even in the, in the 11th hour, we can we can jump in and, and make some quick decisions and, and try to um, get it as compliant as possible. 
Okay. Now, Crystal and Jonathan, one of the things I'm interested in, especially with the water and cosmocketing, is you know most of the way that money is made in this country through cosmocketing is through point-of-sale programs. And Megan and I define point-of-sale as generally pin-up programs or register programs. You know, They have a bunch of different names for them, but they generally involve some type of ask at the register. Would you like to donate a dollar to help homeless kids? Would you like to donate a dollar to save you know, the sea lions or something? You know what I mean? When it comes to the law and cause marketing and those types of programs, what do nonprofits and companies really need to be aware of? And I realize this varies on a state-by-state basis. Sure. Um, because because the laws are so broad, and that's you know probably a, a statement that you'll hear for, uh, whenever you talk to an attorney, that states yeah. uh, draft their languages purposely to encompass a lot of campaigns that are either going on now or, or might occur in the future. Um, because they're drafted so broadly, it is usually that uh, that case that that would fall under a commercial co-venture campaign. Mm-hmm. But it really depends on how the states define um, the advertising that a, a portion or sale of, of a product or service. Because right. if it's just a, a straight donation, if there's yep. no purchase involved, mm-hmm. the, it's not the same inducement there to the consumer um, to, to have them buy a product that would benefit a, a company. So in some cases, states have specific laws that look at either um, container donations. So you yep, see those yep, by the register. Yep, canisters, a, yep, yep. Right, yep, they'll have a, a, a name of the charity. And there are specific states that have the disclosure requirements, um, see what the size the font needs to be, what the actual sticker on there has to say. Uh, Does it have to give the charity So it really does, it really does vary state by state. I mean, you really do have to look at your state law. You know, uh, Crystal and Jonathan, though, one of the things I want to ask you about w- with those campaigns, something that surprised me and something I've learned in the past, and maybe there is some commonality in this with states that you could talk about, is one of the things I've learned along the way is that a nonprofit shouldn't promote its relationship, its partnership with a company um, because there is some type of conflict there. So, for example, if I was doing a, a pinup program or a register program or a coin canister program, if I was on my Facebook page or promoting on my blog, which was associated with not my nonprofit, that folks should go into these stores and support this program, people have told me in the past that's a no-no. Do you agree with that? That actually has to do not with the the state by state laws, but it's a, a federal tax implication. Um, mm-hmm. Not to get too far down the the yeah. legal road, but uh, just to give you a little bit of an overview, um, when a charity has tax exempt status, mm-hmm. the the exemption is on the income received mm-hmm. that's related to their exempt purpose, their charitable purpose, and their mission. If they're receiving income from um, services that are that are not part of or reasonably related to their charitable purpose. Yep. For example, yep. if they're selling T-shirts is the common um, example that we use, then that income could be subject to what's called UBIT, and that's mm-hmm. unrelated business income tax. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in that situation, if you're promoting um, a company's products, even if you're saying support this company because a portion of the sale will right. go to us, so you're really yeah. saying help the charity. Yeah, um, right. But in some instances, that could be seen as providing advertising services. Uh, um, and in that instance, the, the income could be subject to um, taxation from, from the federal tax level, um, right. depending on there's you know, a threshold level um, and, and the amount of services that you're providing. So that's mm-hmm. where, where that issue comes up. And, and we do a lot of advising in this area uh, for, for charities and 
trade associations and um, we can take a look at what the exact service is and, and put a valuation on that. But that's usually what the issue is when people think that there's a, a conflict there. And yeah, that kind make- of brings up a whole other issue about social media and some of these digital programs that we're starting to see with increasing commonality in, in the marketplace. So are there specific legal considerations in some of these digital campaigns? Do you have any examples, maybe generically, of, of campaigns that um, might have some specific legal ramifications that people might not consider or that just don't, that they are okay n- not worrying from about from a legal perspective? I think that's a, a very good question, Megan. And the answer is, is certainly anytime you're dealing with a social media campaign um, or, you know, frankly, any kind of campaign that is in a particular f- uh, format, uh, whether that, of course, be uh, coin canisters, as we just discussed, mm-hmm. or, you know, o- online uh, using, a, you know, Twitter or Facebook or whatever it might be um, down the road, you know, Every one of those types of format issues uh, th- may raise very specific legal requirements, either because of a state requirement or in the case of some of these software uh, social media interfaces, uh, the terms and conditions of use for those platforms. So, for instance, uh, Twitter and uh, Facebook have their own rules uh, that users have to abide by, and those rules apply you know, across the board uh, to all users, as well as in some cases some very specialized requirements uh, if you're a commercial uh, organization using those services. Just uh, to give a, an example for, for Facebook, under their terms of use, you, you have to use a Facebook platform. You can't promote the campaign directly um, on, on the Facebook mm-hmm. site itself. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we, we advise clients to take a look, you know, when you click through and you, you go to the page with all the, the legal terms just to kind of get an idea. They're, they're written pretty easily so that you can, you can understand what you, you're supposed to do and what you can't do. Um, but by using their service, you're agreeing to those terms. So that, that's where you want to look. Um, and then also, we get a lot of questions about how the, how the social media platform changes the, the way that you view it as a, either a commercial venture or a charitable solicitation. And it's really um, pretty much the same elements. It's just applying the law to, to a new platform. Um, and sometimes we see examples, just because you're, you're talking about a charity um, and you're using social media, doesn't necessarily mean that it's a commercial venture or a cause-related marketing program. If there's no uh, product or service being advertised, if you're saying, you know, give us Hit, hit the like button and we'll donate a dollar. That's not necessarily something that the um, co- the consumer is receiving a, a good or a service for. So in some instances, the states wouldn't view that action um, as a cause-related marketing program or a commercial venture. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. What are, I don't know. Joe and I go round and round. We could probably go round and round all day long about different language that's used in cause campaigns that is not ideal from our in our experience, but I'm sure you look at some of these campaigns differently from a legal perspective. What are some of the, th- the things that each of you see in the marketplace that just make you cringe from a legal perspective that you see happening all the time or you see ha- happening frequently that you know uh, is, is not within legal compliance, whether it's how they're stating something or a type of campaign they've put together? Can you give us a, an, an example? Maybe yeah, each of Megan, you? I, I think one of the most commonly sort of cringeworthy 
items that we'll see is when uh, folks will come to us and actually um, misdiagnose. Uh, and so it's not as much as in the marketplace that we're observing this, but when a legal counsel or a marketing uh, CMO or, or someone from a particular organization will come to us with a particular set of facts and uh, have already diagnosed it uh, in one direction or another, um, come up with what they think is, is sort of their logical uh, framework for whether or not it is or isn't uh, cause marketing uh, in a particular manner, triggering particular sets of requirements, and oftentimes, you know, get it wrong. And that's, uh, you know, there's a lot of common misperceptions. We've talked a lot about this uh, today. And I, I think that that's probably, uh, I would add that to the top of my list. Um, there's certainly stuff that we'll see in the marketplace too. But, um, you know, from our perspective, when folks come to us and say, "Well, we just we just don't think this is possibly uh, going to be, uh, uh, you know, triggering these sets of requirements," we just don't think we need these registrations. Um, and it turns out that you know, when we dig a little deeper, their their entire business model has been built around you know that central premise, and and it's not accurate. Um, that that's probably the most cringeworthy uh, item that we'll see. I love that cringeworthy. Oh. That might be a new oh, no. new. Yeah, that's term we use <laughs> now let me ask both of you something though okay now i always like to know the law before i break it all right mm -hmm. i think that's really important generally know, a good okay? premise yeah always a good you know but it, always to, to know it stuff like that what would you advise nonprofits about what state attorney general offices are doing to you know to boost their staff or increase oversight of these programs because that's what a lot of people say about these things too and i talked to a very well-known agency after i came trembling out of a conference about legal issues and their remark to me was joe the states are so overwhelmed they don't have any time to give any oversight to these issues you know as long as you're not out doing something that is blatantly breaking the law no one's going to come after you for this what do you think of that well, the, the more successful uh, the campaign, and typically yep. these campaigns are designed to, uh, uh, you know, without question to be successful, that nobody would do them if they weren't going to be successful. Right. Uh, the more eyeballs, the more ubiquitous the campaign is, mm -hmm. certainly uh, the higher the stakes are for, for scrutiny if there's a, an I that's not dotted or a T that, that's not crossed. Right. Um, we'll frequently see that. Mm -hmm. um, and in some cases, some of the, uh, you know, firsthand examples that we would have are ones where folks have called, you know, the day or two before uh, a launch or the day or two after a launch of a campaign and mm -hmm. said, hey, look, we've gotten a phone call from X state. You know, mm -hmm. what, what do we do now? Mm -hmm. uh, and that is typically driven um, in most cases because the campaign has been uh, extremely successful and perhaps mm -hmm. more successful than perhaps than those who are running it perceived right. it was going to be from the start. And Jonathan, I think this is the problem too, where a lot of attention is given to pink and cancer campaigns because you know they are so ubiquitous in the marketplace, and you know they are very successful. And these are the ones it seems like are most scrutinized too. These are the ones, at least in Massachusetts. Massachusetts, and even some of the ones I've seen in New York, that that's what really hits the radar screen. 
No question. That's where yep. a lot of the state AG inquiries have been. Uh, we've worked with a number of clients in that regard. Um, you know, oftentimes these inquiries are non-public. Uh, some of them have made the press, and uh, there's been a lot of lot written on that. And I, it, in some cases, it's just feeding itself. But again, it all starts with a campaign, and at some point, that campaign, you know, usually has just absolutely uh, blown through the roof in terms of mm-hmm. its level of uh, ubiquitous. And, mm-hmm. and as a result of that, th- these campaigns are somewhat unavoidable, mm-hmm. uh, and therefore, so so is the scrutiny. There's no question mm-hmm. though. states are uh, are pressed for resources, um, but at the same time, they're also looking for revenue and mm-hmm. to make examples. So and sometimes, uh, sometimes those examples are going to be small, yep. small players. Um, you know, a big fish in a small pond, but sometimes they're also big fish in a big pond. Yep. This is Crystal, and I attended a, a presentation recently uh, with some state regulators who were talking specifically about the social media space. And I think this relates to our, our last point that we were talking about is with the with the rise of social media, it's just so much easier to see the campaigns that are going on because the whole point of the campaign is to, to reach as many people as possible. And right. some of those people that you're going to be reaching are the, are the state regulators. People who work in the attorney general's office, you know, are, are riding the metro and listening to the radio, and, and they have yep. Facebook, too. And the regulator that was talking specifically said, you know, I can see these campaigns from my desk. It's so much easier now than before. <laughs> oh, that's really, that's, well, that's media. really good so, because, you know, in a lot of instances, too, you could have a successful campaign. But unless someone was actually going into the store and actually seeing the success mm-hmm. of this campaign, that wouldn't encourage them to ask any questions about it. Yeah. Right. And it was so much easier to limit a campaign to a specific state where now if you're running a, camp- a successful commercial venture campaign, it's likely nationwide. Um, so there's more states to think about. That's wow. a great point. You know, what? Uh, one th- one question I have is based of everything I've told you today about myself and my practices, how long do you think it will be before I go to jail? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, the, the good news is, is frequently it's it's not jail time that we're talking about. Good, Jonathan, um, that's what I want. You're the man I'm going to call. Okay, because those are like famous last words. You know, this is like the Sandusky trial. Don't worry, you're not going to jail. You know, and then I'll get like 450 years or something. You know, Megan, will you make me a cake with a final? I will. I'd be happy to, Joe. Well, uh, if you can believe it, we do this every week and we've done it again, but we've now gotten to the point of the conversation where I feel like we could talk for another two hours and we've come to the end of our show. So um, it's been been so fascinating fascinating to talk to each of you. It's incredibly interesting. Yeah, it's really interesting. And you, you two are both very articulate and very knowledgeable about the space. Yes, thank you for sharing your legal knowledge with us, Crystalyn and thank Jonathan. Thank you so much. We're, we're happy to be on the show and hope to make some repeat yeah. appearances. I, I know that you do uh, occasionally blog about cause marketing. Where can people find more out about Venable and, and some of your cause marketing information that you like to share? Right, we I, I have, think the easiest place is our, is our website. And so, you know, Crystalyn was going to be saying that the, the most popular part of our website uh, for those types of resources would be www.venable.com backslash associations backslash publications. And on there is a searchable index of hundreds of articles on a variety of topics related to primarily nonprofit related issues, including cause marketing. We also have a similar index on our website for advertising and marketing articles where uh, listeners can also find relevant material. 
Fantastic. Mm -hmm. We'll put those in the show notes so people can link to those and read all your great work. And Joe, where can people find you? Well, of course, they can find me at my blog, SelfishGiving.com, and they can find me on Twitter at Joe Waters. What about you, Megan? Um, I'm also on Twitter at Megan Strand, and I tweet for at TweetCMF and blog at CauseUpdate.com. And you can find Cause Talk Radio and all the other RashPixel.tv shows on iTunes. We do want you to subscribe in iTunes. And on behalf of Joe and myself, Jonathan and Crystal, we'd like to thank you for joining us today. Thank you.